Hello and good evening. My name is Bob and I'm joined, as always, by Aaron and Josh. We're the folks who are going to help you find the method to the madness, the reason in the unreasonable, and make sense out of nonsense. Because this is okay. Hear me out. Aaron and Josh, how are we doing this evening? Dude, I fucking love it. <laughs> I like that way better. Yeah. Last week blows my eardrums out and I hate it. I pulled in my inner NPR voice and radio hosting scenario to bring us to a new chapter of the show. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> do, 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 music. I think we just found the reason in the unreasonable, and his name is Bob, and uh, Aaron and I are the unreasonable. <laughs> I like it. Speaking of unreasonable people, uh, so our topic today, we're going to go into 9-11 a little bit more about the aftermath, because one of our friends who can't even call the voicemail line, and also can't count Cherish to... The listeners. Yeah, can't count to three, because he doesn't realize that... The 9-11 first episode was, uh, shit, what was it called? Oh, <coughs> attention, attention to, to detail. detail. Yes, attention <laughs> to detail. We should have called it like 5-11 is a, a, a volunteer gig or something. Is Which is, a, I, I'm sorry, it's very poetic. <coughs> it's very poetic that you forgot the name to that episode. <laughs> I can still count to three. <laughs> Unlike, I, you know, Justin, who, ah, uh, what? <laughs> Can't even call or, him a bitch. Has to message us to bitch about wow, name how dropping. we don't have a third Throwing episode shade. out for 9-11. So this will be 9-11 part 3.33. And it will <laughs> the, the aftermath. The, the director's the, cut for 9-11, Justin. So just, <laughs> just for you, buddy. The, the Snyder cut. Now, I just hope yeah, that all of... I just hope that all of our listeners are not as insufferable as Justin is. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> literally not possible so okay is, is the joke that you're counting to three three times with 3.33 just to like show how much more competent you are counting to three than justin is no you know what it is it's when i do things ironically they just become a part of my everyday so like doing numerology ironically has weirdly made me obsessed with making everything 33 and 666 and 911 and finding out now I'm like, I'm becoming like part grabbler where I'm just like, oh, yeah, 3.33. <laughs> just I have weird numbers <laughs> streaming through my head autistically at all times now. It's horrifying. Yeah, th- th- this is the spiral that we often talk about on the show, don't? <laughs> and the gravy brain. <laughs> oh, try yeah. not to embrace it too much. I can't help it. It's- so, Aaron, we talked about the day of 9-11, everything leading up to 9-11 and the day of, day of 9-11 and all the news reports and what really happened and et cetera, et cetera. What possibly more could we talk about 9-11? It pretty much just, you know, started and stopped on that day. End oh. of story, right? So basically nothing came from 9-11. There, there wasn't a Patriot Act. There wasn't uh, two the wars. TSA. The TSA, all these government bureaus that came out of nowhere and all these rights being taken from us. What do you mean? Nothing is just stop. What the I, fuck I think are you talking unfair. about? I think it's unfair to exclusively attribute 
uh, all of those occurrences to 9-11. Those are really uh, progressions in modern society. The, the TSA and the activities of the NSA and the Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act, those were all uh, just you know necessary developments to create uh, a <laughs> better democracy like we have today. So 9-11, you know, it, was, it was a small step or a small incentive to speed along those progressions which were already you know underway, but... I think you can hardly directly attribute it. Bob, you should Thank know you. Josh well enough by now. You already know what he's doing. He's trying yeah. to lead you somewhere, <laughs> but he's like a blind man leading another blind horse to water. It's, I don't even no, know if a, he knows where he's leading me. He's just asking a leading open-ended question and then like hoping for the best, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he, he's leading into the assigned CIA propaganda that he is trained um, through his sleep patterns to, to propagate, you know, uh, unconsciously, you know. Where do you but want to start with this, though? Because, like, we do have, like, uh, the Patriot Act was horrifying, um, is horrifying still. The TSA is... is, uh, Can we just start by just bitching about the TSA for a second? I'd love to do that. (laughs) I would absolutely... The TSA, I don't even have to take off my shoes. Well, it's it's a preposterous... (laughs) It's so preposterous that people... That, that we still have the TSA because they've proven like multiple times that people just bring guns through and like if somebody wants to get something through, they just do. They don't stop anything. But does it does it make us feel more secure? Does it make the average American citizen flying on a plane feel more confident in the security of the airport and the airplane? Oh, yeah. No, nothing makes me feel safer than having like some 275 pound black chick uh, named Jaquanda. Checking my f- shoes for bombs. Yeah, no, that's that makes me go. Oh, God bless America! Can't wait. It, it, definitely, this plane's not going down. Like it's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's not going down because she's not on it, weighing it down. But, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, I figure it's it's like the the face mask mask sort of thing with coronavirus. It's a it's a psychological thing as much as it is, um, you know, a, a an actual. The public health safety measure you are correct except instead of they tell you it people think with the optimistic way is to think well it makes everybody feel safer and what it really does is make everybody accept their own slavery piece by piece by piece it's just one more link in the chain that's all it is the the tsa is essentially security theater presented in the fact that we're here saving you from terrorists when what they are actually doing is enforcing domestic uh laws upon its own people uh, like drug laws and like drug trafficking laws and stuff like that. Like they're just making it harder to get drugs from point A to point B, or like you know carrying alcohol or firearms from point A to point B. Like that is literally their only, like what they've accomplished in their their entire existence of being. Well, the a, CAA uh, doesn't have much a. competition with drug running. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God we still have the USPS. They they need an, uh, an intake of supply essentially. That this is where they get their product to then sell like resell it on the black market and then to put it in their black budget so they can go around fucking toppling uh, governments on the other side of the planet that we we have no idea about uh, that we've never heard about either. Respectable, respectable. Yeah, but okay. Are you guys, Aaron, are you done with the TSA for a second? There. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> about it. it. It's just annoying. Like. The last time, okay, my only, my last TSA annoyance was going to the cabin trip, hanging out with you guys last year. I got my sweet 
P900 camera. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to zoom in on stuff. And I also had to make meatloaf. And I had all this, like, ground beef because I knew it wouldn't unfreeze. <laughs> so I took, like, these huge wrapped packages of ground beef with me. And they took those out to make sure they weren't bombed. And I was like, it's literally just meat for meatloaf. And then... But they also took my camera out without telling me. So my camera just camped out in the Buffalo airport for a week. My brand, I hadn't even used the thing yet. I hadn't even cracked it open. My $500 camera just chilling in Buffalo airport. Me just praying to God that it didn't get lost or stolen. Oh, that was yeah. a nightmare. Here the TSA trying to find ter- uh, terrorists, and Aaron's over here getting stopped in the line because he has like ten pounds of ground frozen ground meat in his suitcase. <laughs> Good job, guys! You you stopped another flat earther from uh, having fun at a barbecue, <laughs> specifically ground beef, which is what you actually make chili out of, Justin. Not ground turkey. <laughs> I wish the TSA had stopped. <laughs> Why did the TSA stop him and throw his ground turkey away and do us all a damn favor? And I wouldn't be bitching about him right now because he bought it in fucking Tennessee, man. Where you know yeah. where there are grocery stores. He's not a hundred percent retarded. That's why. <laughs> no, that I had. It was really good shit that I wanted to use up. It was. It was like this ground sirloin. It was really good. Anyways, enough about chili, chili and meatloaf uh, ingredients. You're alienating, you're alienating all of our non-Justin knowing audience. You know, mm-hmm. th- those individuals. What, like all five of them? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's higher than I was going to say, but okay. <laughs> Go on, Bob. The, the aftermath of 9-11. What, what happened immediately after 9-11? The war in Afghanistan. We, we invaded Afghanistan right off the bat, and we used the 9-11 terrorist attack and our war against terror and was it Al-Qaeda? Yeah, yeah. Al Qaeda, right? Yeah. Okay. That yeah. was unrelated, I mean, Bob. They had weapons of mass destruction. Uh, it's been twenty five no, years. That was Iraq. That that was just the country of Iraq. But there's also the Taliban, which which comes into play in like this whole like scenario as well. So we we go to war in Afghanistan, and we we have a history of failed wars in Afghanistan. We've been there before, and we got stuck. We we did really well at the very beginning. And then we just kind of like stood around and, and kind of squabbled in the area. And we ended up losing and just like retreating, I think, leaving it to the Soviets, like back in like uh, either like the 70s or the 80s or something like that. that uh, HW, was that Desert Storm HW or was that something else? Uh, uh, I, don't know I don't know. I don't know the details. I'm, I'm starting in this timeline a little bit sooner, a little like the 2001 era, like right when we invaded and stuff like that. But we do have this history of a failed war in Afghanistan. And so yeah, that'd be the early nineties, Bob, by the way, it does. Yeah. No, I haven't. I have okay, no cool. Idea. Thanks Aaron. So, yeah. So we lead into the invasion and also the plan for Afghanistan. People often ask me, how long will this last? This particular battlefront will last as long as it takes to bring Al Qaeda to justice. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen a month from now. It may take a year or two, but we will prevail. Goddamn, I missed W. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Literally every is... single one of our presidents is a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Well, it leads into a really funny Obama clip here. Let me finish it. Biden is on the path to defeat, 
and by 2014, the war in Afghanistan will be over. 2014. Gotcha. Yeah, but we pulled <laughs> I, out I think... too. We were pulling out too early last year. Remember? Oh, that's what it was. That's what that was. You're right. It's and Trump's so, fault. So why I bring this this whole conversation up is because uh, I think like last year or the year before, like 2019, 2020, uh, what was it? The Washington Post dropped the Afghanistan papers, and it was a series of interviews and uh, research done. Uh, by a government agency, and it was interviewing other government agencies, like the Pentagon officials, the Secretary of Defenses, and stuff like that. And it, it was actually uh, set up in 2014, and they started going around and collecting all these interviews uh, interviews, and talking to high-ranking officials about the, the, the topic. And what they found was completely insane. Completely insane. Not only was Donald Rumsfeld quoted in, in this, but a bunch of other... Uh, Donald Rumsfeld being the Secretary of Defense for George W. Bush. Oh, yes. Thank you. <clears throat> he, he was quoted uh, saying, it's like, we we have no goal here. We have no idea what's going on. And the, the lack of human intelligence that's being operated w- within our war is just jaw-dropping basically he's sitting there like holy but then, shit the, and, the ai have taken over right uh, because you know artificial intelligence is so much so much more sophisticated than human intelligence we trust it completely well is there mm, is there no. anything alluding to in there what the real aim is then see that's the thing the people conducting these wars they they couldn't even identify the enemy that they're supposed to to, to defeat in this the highest ranking generals, the Pentagon, everyone in the State Department, they had no idea who they were fighting. They were just there to conduct a war, basically. Which is the greatest part, because like this falls in line with uh, the, the rest of the 9-11 stuff. Because Israel wanted to uh, dismantle all of its, like, its neighboring countries, right? And so, why not Afghanistan? Afghanistan being... A, a very, very intriguing country in the area. Not only are they rich in um, uh, mineral deposits, lithium, copper, uh, a, a bunch of rare earth metals. Like they, uh, the country of, of Afghanistan was estimated to have three trillion dollars worth of rare earth metals in its soil. Three wow. trillion dollars. Yeah, uh, one of the yeah, largest. I opium was their biggest <clears throat> natural resource. One of the largest natural deposits of lithium <laughs> that is is in every car, cell phone, uh, computer, laptop, uh, literally every okay. electronic device that we use, like they could supply that for like the next like three hundred years, essentially. Like, what, th- why is, aren't they? Or, or is lithium a big big export for them already? And I just wasn't aware. Did you know? Uh, b- because of the constant war effort that has been going on and the, the, the struggle that has been tied to that country, essentially. First and so foremost the- is, well, first and foremost is the, the region and its surrounding neighbors, uh, because even though it's rich in mineral deposits and stuff like that, they are also right in line for a perfect um, pipeline to distribute oil throughout the, the rest of the world and stuff like that. So that, that was initially why they, they started warring there and fighting over the territory before they even found out about the mining deposits there. They, they wanted so to get, what, go ahead. 
wouldn't it be counterintuitive to destabilize the area and have an ongoing war there so that in, in the end no one has access or you know ready access to the pipeline or uh, rare earth minerals or or I, I mean, I'm I'm trying I'm confused at what how goals of uh, getting control over those are being accomplished in, in any meaningful way. Uh, well, they they haven't accomplished that, essentially. there There's basically been no mining or anything like that. If it has done, it's been under U.S. control. The, the, the pipeline... Okay, so, so there is like some that, mining under U.S. control, or do they just like not want Afghanistan to have access to their own natural resources? They basically don't want Afghanistan to have to have access to their own natural resources. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. But like the the biggest thing is like the the pipeline because it's like you're either feeding Europe with a fi- pipeline through Afghanistan or you're feeding the um, the Soviet Union or Russia through the pipeline. And so like, that's been the biggest thing. And then and then they found all the resources and they're like, well, fuck it. Like we really have to like you know make sure that this is under like our colony essentially, not their colony. Because there's a yeah, lot that of sounds money like a colonization effort. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and and so is, is the implication too if the uh, generals and officials behind the war or like you know directly in, in charge of uh, military activities aren't aren't specifically motivated themselves if uh, that it's you know Israel or someone else behind the scenes that is uh, motivating this war. Well, basically everyone's getting money into their pockets through this whether like it's deals through like raytheon and just having like continued uh continued war and stuff like that israel i I don't have too much on like exactly how israel benefits from this war in afghanistan what do you mean wait (laughs) like okay because (laughs) i'm going to be more focused on uh the the u.s government is it's going to be like a, a lie of omission kind of thing the, the U.S. government saying we have to do this, we have to do this for national security, we have to do this for the war on terror, and then behind closed doors, they're telling they're telling each other that a we don't know who the enemy is, b we have no idea what they're doing there, and and c we have no clear objective of what we're going to be doing there, and then in this foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said and that, so but- there has to be, but there has to be something and someone and some interest pushing this war to continue right yeah that's what we're asking it, it, so yeah. if you're just speculating the way that like yeah if you're military contractors like raytheon like said then you're making money hand over fist the longer this goes so that's a motivation for one group um if you are a politician it's getting big bags of money from said military contracts uh, behind closed doors for awarding them to certain companies, then that's a, another motivation for politicians to keep it going, whether they know if they have an enemy or not. Uh, and then if you are Israel, the good thing about that happening is that you don't have uh, Afghanistan coming up with their own companies or like government run companies to have this giant mining and oil industry in full bloom so it's another it becomes like another dubai right next to them it's too stable for them to just take over exactly Uh, plus also the fact that uh, the whole zionist agenda is to expand their borders take over more of the middle east than they actually currently own and having those mineral resources which which is, is actually a good point because there hasn't been a lot of information on the actual extraction and mining processes that have taken place over this 20-year war. 
Um, and I'm only assuming that like Israel is just like making conflict so they can come in after everything is said and done and then start their own mining um, infrastructure, right? Yeah, once the border says Israel, then they'd want to mine it. Exactly, yeah. The, the defense contractor and uh, defense fund side of it is arguably adequate. I was talking to a friend the other day and I, I didn't realize that uh, the DOD is the biggest employer on earth like between like defense contractors and like military activities oh, so like okay, there, there's okay. enough money there's enough money in u.s defense that um like that that could be the motivation the whole thing right there they the employ right more there. people than amazon amazon doesn't employ yeah very there, many people yeah yeah the, like the, you don't realize how many defense contractors there are and yeah. and like you know military labs and organizations as well yes so uh, another big part, too, is that uh, there's another industry involved in this war directly, and that is the pharmaceutical companies who, after the war started, Afghanistan, they, they did like a couple of very funny things. Like at first they tried to, what was it? Uh, they, they tried to like pay the Afghan farmers to like not grow uh, poppy seeds and then they would pay them for them and then destroy it. And they're like, OK, well, we'll just grow more next year. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And so they they confiscated all the poppy seeds from the the Afghan farmers and then destroyed them. And then the Afghan farmers went and joined the Taliban. <laughs> so they just got robbed of all their crops. <laughs> so is this just an like, anti-compete on opioids? Yes, because the only supplier of oh um, of, of poppies and opium in, uh, in the whole world is uh, India and Turkey for some reason, for some god awful reason. And they have to pay the American companies have to pay top fucking dollar for that for for those suppliers. Uh, what happened during this twenty year war was that they went from like a very like small portion of the opium industry to generating eighty two percent of the global opium market from Afghanistan. Afghanistan, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so weird so, because uh, oh my. Fucking hell. And I'm sure we had a, this enormous shortage of opioids in the U.S. There was just, you know, that increased demand that it, it was necessary to expand the production horizons or the, the farming hori agricultural horizons for uh, poppy seeds. Well, that doesn't make right. any sense, uh, though, because if if they were expanding the opium market that big, we'd have an opioid crisis over the last 20 years in America. And, you yeah, know, I've never heard anything getting, like that. Yeah, no, people would just be, like, getting addicted to Percocets and, and, like, dropping dead. Like, you'd hear celebrities happening to them all the time and just kids getting hooked on painkillers. And, you know, and that, we don't have anything like that here, do we? No, not at all. I, I, I've i never... <laughs> no, we definitely don't have that problem. We we solved that with these social programs and, uh, and uh, a lawsuit or two against uh, Purdue Pharma. And, well, they're bankrupt. No more opioids sold at all, at least not in excess to U.S. citizens. Yeah, it's just legal drug dealers, man. That's why these pharmaceutical companies, you don't trust them at all. They're just drug dealers. That's all they are. But make sure to get your COVID-19 vaccination as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's paid for by that's the government. Your tax dollars at work. Here, here's a little breakdown of the what's happening with like the poppy fields and stuff like that. Coincidentally, since the U.S. invasion, Afghanistan has become the largest opium producer in the world. At the same time, the United States has the world's biggest appetite for opium. 
which Big Pharma is currently forced to pay a pretty premium to purchase from India and Turkey. If only there was a country the US could exploit as a neo-colony for the same product. Not to mention the CIA has a long history of using illicit drug money to fund its black ops. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I mean, the CIA is like the reason why we like we got so much cocaine in the eighties uh, in America. <laughs> People yeah. forget that like all the time. <laughs> so it's not that horrible Mex Mexican drug war and uh, yeah, it was just it was Scarface and a I'm couple hearing. Colombians with chainsaws and stuff. Yeah, don't worry about totally. it. Totally. So it, it's so funny how like this all kind of started because Osama bin Laden, like everyone knows Osama bin Laden, he was the world's biggest terrorist. He's enemy number one. And uh, the goal of this entire endeavor is to bring him down and bring down his organization of terror. And so we can all move on back to our old normal, right? Not, not this new normal where the TSA fucking strip searches you every time you board a plane and all that shit. But did you guys know? Did you know exactly what Osama bin Laden and his terrorist organization did immediately after... 9-11, uh, and then at the commencement of the bombing of Afghanistan. No. Let me, okay, let me give you a little history here. This, this is a translation of Osama bin Laden himself, describing what, what has taken place and why he's doing what he's doing. The U.S. government has committed acts that are extremely unjust, hideous, and criminal through its support of the Israeli occupation of Palestine. And we believe the U.S. is directly responsible for those killed in Palestine, Lebanon, and Iraq. For this and other acts of aggression and injustice, we have declared jihad against the U.S. The U.S. today has set a double standard, calling whoever goes against its injustice a terrorist. It wants to occupy our countries, steal our resources, impose agents on us to rule us, and then wants us to agree to all this. Wow, fun uh, propaganda film you found there, Bob. Propaganda? What did he say that was wrong? Like, I feel like <laughs> this is like the part of the Marvel supervillain speech that I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, it does, I... but here's the, <laughs> the problem with that. Is, this is post 9-11. He put that out. Yes. He's uh, the guy's already. It's Tim Osman. He's already a CIA asset. <laughs> he. Like, he's either just faking being involved or was 100% just involved working together to get this war started. Like, that's the part that people don't, like, realize. Like, th this is the show for the, the uh, opposite side. Like, that's it. That's all it is. Like, wow. where you, you can agree, like, that makes sense because that is what America is doing. But, like, every good lie makes sense. Like... He's just playing an actor's part. He's an he's another actor. Even his death is highly suspect. <laughs> hold on, like, we can we'll get, get to his death in, in a second. Aaron. Hold on, okay, hold okay. on. So, following the timeline here, um, when they started dropping bombs in Afghanistan, uh, the terrorist organization here. I'll just let this clip explain it. Hold on. Today, it's almost universal that, of course, the U.S. had to invade Afghanistan in retaliation. But that's just another lie. In fact, as soon as U.S. bombing began, the Taliban offered to capture and extradite bin Laden for trial. The Taliban. <laughs> Did you guys know about this? 
<laughs> Did you guys two for trial? Bin Laden. Oh. The Taliban offered to capture and extradite Bin Laden at the very start of this whole orde- ordeal. Guess what Bush's response was? Well, he was he was afraid of the U.S. Ju- judicial system and corruptions that might have let <laughs> Osama go. Josh, Josh stop it. <laughs> I think Swear his response God. was something like, fool me once, can't get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I unironically <laughs> miss W. Um. <laughs> Dude, instead of invading the entire Middle East, they could have just extradited this motherfucker? Is that what they're telling me? This was an act of justice, and it was oh it was just God. as much demanded by the American people as it was by the American government. After 9-11, people were enlisting in swarms. There there was, you know, a debt to there was vengeance to be had against this great injustice uh, on the you know with the 9-11 attacks and against democracy and freedom. Okay. So it was as much called for the by the American mob as it was by the, the president of the United States and the American what? government. Let's just play a little game here where we use some kind of deductive reasoning. Um, So they offered to hand the guy responsible for it up for trial, and we said no. And declared war on the country. Yeah, it seems like we kind of had a deal to have this all set up and be blamed on the big bad boogeyman so that we could start the war because the war was the point the whole time had nothing to do with a surprise attack because it wasn't a surprise. Not, not to the people in the know. Yeah. Are you, are you suggesting, as they say, an inside job? Yeah, ob- it was obviously yeah, yeah. all set up by us. Obviously. It's so, <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, so, and it's so obvious. So I, I love this next clip because Bush goes on to describe our past war efforts in Afghanistan. And then he, he talks a little bit at length about um, what's going on here. We know this from not only intelligence, but from the history of military conflict in Afghanistan. It's been one of initial success, followed by long years of floundering and ultimate failure. We're not going to repeat that mistake. With total imperial hubris, Bush arrogantly invaded Afghanistan, rejected the Taliban's offer, and instead declared that the goal of the war was not just destroying al-Qaeda, but for some reason also overthrowing the Taliban. So another small little snippet that uh, was mentioned is also the fact that the Taliban were also being before uh, before 9/11 in the 90s, like ni- 1996, around like that that time to like 98, the Taliban w- were going to be uh, those were like the CIA assets that were going to be the connection between Afghanistan and the United States um, corporate um, hegemony, essentially. So they they were trying to contact. The, the Taliban and put them together with the, the oil and gas company from California. It was like uh, Unical or something like that. And this started okay. back like with, um, oh God, who was that one Republican um, president in the 80s? Uh, Reagan. So Reagan actually had like leaders of the Taliban at a press briefing with him, like standing next to him. Back in the 80s, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get them up and that we're going to set them up. So all, all this started to fall apart, essentially. And the Taliban, who 
we were trying to get to to work with us and to be like corporate sponsors and partners with us, we essentially just clumped the Taliban in with everyone else into the war effort and claim them to be terrorists. These are the same guys that are saying that we will capture Osama bin Laden for you and extradite him for you as long as you just don't invade us and bomb our country. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it was it's almost like they backstabbed them on purpose because it was all about creating a greater Israel, having endless defense contracts going for endless uh money laundering and uh Oh, what was the last thing? Oh, and uh, getting control of the remaining countries that didn't have ties to the Rothschild banking empire. Gee, <laughs> why would we ever want to go into all those wars over there with all of the countries that just happened to not have a Rothschild-backed bank? I love it. I'm, I'm imagining go ahead. a scenario where the U.S. president comes into office and, of course, is required reading. They have Netanyahu's book on... Uh, terrorism and they're just like skimming <laughs> through it and they they're like on a, a page it's like oh the definition of terrorism or a list of uh, terrorist organizations like oh I, I it's so clear now i can't believe that country that i didn't think was a threat before that has generally been our ally or that organization or whatever they're actually terrorists and he just like he calls up a secretary of defense or something and blah, the, the rest is history so, uh, that, that's the scenario <laughs> in my head I, I absolutely love what was it the 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 Pentagon Papers because or not I'm sorry the Pentagon Papers were related to Vietnam these are the Afghanistan Papers and they have several quotes um, in these papers from high ranking officials and everything like that to where um, we have no idea what we're doing uh, here's a quote here we were devoid of fundamental understanding of Afghanistan we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, what we were trying to do here, we didn't have the foggiest notion of what we were undertaking. <laughs> Some other things. <laughs> it's just it's just so funny because like these documents just like illustrate exactly how dumb and like we declared war, we invaded a country, and then we just like got there and we're like, okay, well, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> there's there's even a quote where this guy here, he's like the people interviewing me for like the of. Uh, for the Afghanistan papers that that came out, uh, he goes. They kept asking me, "Who is the enemy?" And he goes, "I don't know why you keep asking me that. I've told you several times. We don't know. We don't have a documented enemy in this war." <laughs> and and so the the twenty year war uh, just becomes like probably like one of the most laughable things in American history, in in, in my opinion. And I have a little clip here that can help uh, fulfill that. Uh, just how funny it is. The hunt for Al-Qaeda and Taliban goes on. And we stand shoulder to shoulder with the United States and our other coalition allies in the global war of terrorism. Five weeks later. How many Al-Qaeda have you captured? We haven't uh, captured any al-Qaeda, but... And, and how many have you actually managed to kill here in southeast Afghanistan? We haven't killed any. <laughs> so matter-of-factly, I love it! <laughs> that was a 2004 BBC uh, little thing that they did about the war. <laughs> what do you guys think? Well, it's like the movie Jarhead, where he just goes out there and there's like nothing to do. He just kind of goes insane. 
<laughs> like everybody's girlfriends and wives are like cheating on them. Yeah, and, and they're sitting there like just hiking through a desert. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Oh god. Do you know how uh, the clip continues? Like does he explain why uh they go to fight Al-Qaeda and then proceed to not capture or kill any Al-Qaeda members? I I didn't watch the the full clip. Uh it is him like floundering around about like little operations that he did here and there and stuff like that, but nothing substantial to explain anything of significance basically. And oh god, it's, it's just it's military military virtue signaling, I guess. It's I I'm an ally to the United States. I'm an ally to democracy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it's just so funny too cuz um I ha- I have another clip here where it's it's kind of like a um a compilation of the public statements that were made by military officials and people like like uh, political officials making statements about the war and how great it was and how we're kicking ass and shit like that. And then it comes to, comes to light at the end of the day, you get quotes like fucking, um, I have no visibility into, uh, who the bad guys are. Rumsfeld complained in September 8th, 2003, we are woefully deficient in human intelligence. This is in 2003. They had no idea who the bad guys were, who, who they were fighting. And yet, they were making public statements at the very same time to the public saying stuff like this. The grand plan to defeat the Taliban with 100,000 U.S. troops went up in smoke, proving once and for all the war was objectively unwinnable. When military defeat became clear, it began years of bumbling, confused generals using soldiers as bait to pointlessly fend off constant attacks with no discernible purpose. Simply continue to tighten the noose until we get where we want to go. Are we losing this war? Absolutely no way. Can the enemy win it? Absolutely no way. Lieutenant General David Rodriguez, Deputy Commander of U.S. Forces in Afghanistan. General, great to see you, and it looks like you are ready to watch some Army football. We sure are. We got our uh, football signed by the team, we got our hat, and uh, we're ready to watch some ball tonight. We have made significant progress with regards to our primary mission of disrupting, dismantling, and ultimately defeating Al-Qaeda. We are not losing it, and uh, the enemy cannot win. This undeniable progress has allowed us to begin transitioning to Afghan security control. I can see the columns tomorrow and all the the uh, 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 parts. Look, I, you know, the truth is, is that I, I I feel like you know we're making some steady progress. It's a slow win, I guess, is probably uh, what we're accomplishing right on over here. <laughs> it's not the way that uh, I think both the Afghans, the international community, and the American people would like to see us uh, conduct this war. Yeah, I'm sure the Afghans are real happy that you're there. <laughs> sure it's a blast. I feel like they just got a PR sheet of like you know how how they have to phrase things and there's a there's a bullet point of uh you, you have you, you have to um you know instill confidence with with phrases su- such as uh we're not losing there's no way we can lose this war or, uh, there's no way that our enemy can win this war and everyone just like kind of skimmed over it and just read those two lines together and didn't like uh. <laughs> I, I I love it because. The, the papers themselves, like, there's so many good quotes from them. There, there's so many about the spending that, that was being done to the the military objectives that, that were being had. Because 
every boomer that I've ever talked to, they're like, oh, well, our armed forces are the best in the world. They know what they're doing. And then you go and look at them and they're like, <laughs> all like the commanders are sitting there like, well, I have no idea who we're even fighting over there. <laughs> so, well, we knew who we were fighting. We got Osama bin Laden. Yeah, and and we got him. We finally got him. And wasn't wasn't that the war uh, the the end of the war on terror? Wasn't that the yeah end May second two thousand eleven? Yeah. We pulled out after that. They, uh, that's when we okay. got Osama. Yeah. So you guys want to hear about this little uh, this little endeavor? Yes, I would love to hear about the circumstances of the the corpse disposal services that the U.S. military well, uh, ha- has done. We're great about proving that people are actually dead because we never show any pictures or proof or any, and you can never see the body. Um, so we go in May second, two thousand eleven. SEAL Team Six goes in like it's a Counter Strike video game and just busts in the compound and they shot Osama dead. And we know this is true because they immediately threw his body into the ocean, as they said is according to Muslim burial traditions. Because you guys know that when you're a uh, a desert people, that you normally have water burials. Um, that's the usually yeah, yeah, the yeah, traditional yeah. way to do it. I mean, it 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 shows a lot of reverence for the dead that you're willing to bring their body all the way from the from the middle of the desert out to the ocean obviously that's that's you know how you respect the dead and it's uh, the proper offering to uh to Allah. yeah obviously we had to do that um so when you have the guy that apparently uh is the worst terrorist ever um who's totally not a cia asset and we didn't just shave him and let him go do something else somewhere else um so is that wait? Hold on. Is that a shave to Osama bin Laden in the back of your car? <laughs> oh, exactly. No. no, my name is Timothy Osman. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so I think you. I think I'll make a slight correction. The worst terrorist ever since the Viking guy who caused the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th, which whom I, I hope, I hope he gets a proper Viking funeral and they like send him out of the little rowboat and shoot a fire arrow and all that fun stuff. <laughs> but he, he's the real public enemy. Number one. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be incendiary rounds this time, not fire arrows. Yeah. Oh, uh, still in the spirit. Still the right spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That uh, poor Q Q anon viking that poor guy <laughs> well when they do you know they're gonna give him a proper viking funeral which is where you take him out to a sand dune and you bury him up to his neck in sand because <laughs> that's what the vikings did just like you All bury the- them in water when you're a muslim now in the desert um, scandinavian deserts i love it so so do you know what a traditional here is a traditional muslim burial by the way when you die they, but within 24 hours, they're supposed to bathe and wrap the body. Prayers are said over the body. The body's supposed to be facing Mecca, so I guess they dumped him off the Mecca side of the boat. Um, <laughs> oh my god. You're supposed to be buried in a Muslim cemetery. And then, so they do the funeral, that's where they say the prayers and stuff, and then they do the burial, and when they do the burial, they carry the body... Uh, and they bury him without a casket because they already they wrap him in like all this different cloth and bind him together and uh, throw him in the ground. And then no women and children are at the burial. So the only thing I can tell is that 
no women and children at the burial is about the only part of the traditional Muslim burial that they did. Um, I mean, throwing up the ocean is pretty close to washing the body within one day, right? Yeah, I guess they got the bathing part right, too. <laughs> like you said, the facing Mecca, because they dropped him off the ship the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, almost there. Almost there. Um, it's ridiculous. They just say people are dead all the time. That uh, When they killed that Iranian general, and I couldn't find... I looked so hard. If things get memory hold so hard. But that Soleimani guy that uh, got yeah. killed in that drone strike when Trump killed him like so in the year first ago, yeah. year, like tw- what was it, twenty seventeen or something? Um, wait, he killed him twenty twenty. What you, uh, J- January twenty twenty? It was twenty twenty. Yeah, it was last it was, January. Okay. Well, anyways, um, that guy was proclaimed dead in the media like three different times. I have to find it. I can't find the dates, but that guy was proclaimed dead so many times. And then the proof that he died this time is they show his picture with this ring on this absurd, like, red and gold ring that he wears. A giant signet ring. And they just show they just showed a muddy hand with that ring on it. Yeah, they didn't they didn't show the face. They didn't show the face. They didn't show any um, birthmarks or anything like that. Any significant markers of who this person might be. They just took a picture of like. A, a guy that's face down in the dirt and his like crippled hand is like off to the side and it has like this red gold ring on his on his hand and then it shows another picture of Solomoni with a red and gold ring on his hand like t- giving some speech or something it's like that's the identifier that's how we ha- that's how we confirmed a kill with yeah, like these one are of the those- same people that faked child they had children dress up and go into makeup and look like blown up burn victims to pretend that they were in Syrian gas attacks. That's what the media did, by the way. That's not a conspiracy. That's common knowledge now. They faked gas attacks on children, and then that's how they proved that gas attacks were happening. Now they show you a picture of a muddy hand with a dumb ring on it that looks like it's from a medieval high school play. Like, (laughs) and that, we're supposed to go, oh yeah, no, we we got him this time. The guy didn't know existed until yesterday, who they've already claimed died like twice before uh oh he's definitely dead this time firstly obviously those gas attacks did happen but they just didn't have they didn't have the photographer in the right place at the right time so they were set up a scene with an overzealous photographer who wanted some award etc etc but yeah uh, just nothing (laughs) says honest and open like trying to appeal to everybody's uh, emotions and uh, make them empathetically want to murder an entire nation yeah no (laughs) yeah um but but with the uh, so with the, the signet ring thing to demonstrate Soleimani's death was this just like a, a media thing or was it like was this actually how the United States military confirmed his death or how like the, the Iranian government confirmed his death because I'm I'm I don't imagine they're just going to show some mangled dead body in the middle of a, a you know the evening news broadcast i'd imagine if it's a drone strike they're going to show a you know collapsed building or like you know fallout in the dust after um after it's bombed or something like that well yeah exactly i don't understand how they got any photos this whole thing is supposed to be in a drone strike so you have a remote control plane like you're playing a video game shoot a missile at a guy supposedly kill him and then who on the ground is running up with a camera like Hold on, let me place his muddy hand in this crippled position so you know he's totally <laughs> dead. And then click, 
I better send this to the New York Times right away. Like, <laughs> who yes, got I don't that care about photo? this as proof, but it's the stupidest scenario. So, like, they're all... It, it's So much of this is such bullshit. Like, I, get, I doubt that Osama Bin Laden <clears throat> is even dead, to be honest. Was he even a real person to begin with? The, the biggest doubt was, was he America's enemy number one to begin with? You know what I mean? It's like, no. what? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they turn it into like this giant hero complex, especially for the guy that killed him. Like they turned that guy into an absolute fucking, like they tried to turn him into like a Hollywood hero. He did. He, he wrote like a book, probably several books. He went on fucking like all, all these interview shows he was on like the howard stern show howard stern crawled up his own fucking asshole and like groveled did like some patriotic propaganda bullshit and like groveled in Wait, front of who, this guy who's on all these shows the guy that killed him the guy that the 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 navy seal that killed him oh i think i saw him on yeah. wasn't he on joe rogan or something too probably, probably. i don't know I, I don't follow joe rogan like too too well, but I, I have a clip here of of this guy, uh, I, Robert O'Neill, recalls the night he killed Osama the, bin Laden. Okay, I and haven't this, heard this, and I think I remember this guy, but this is how they do this, by the way. Just just gonna play oh, this dude, out here and see how correct it is. This uh, is so bad. Uh, they okay. So if you're the scriptwriter and you're gonna have the hero that killed Osama bin Laden, you have to always keep in mind that you want half the people to love him and half the people to hate him. Because then you can get away with crimes against humanity because everyone's now yelling about some uh, douchebag that's on Howard Stern that claims he killed Osama bin Laden. So his actions of killing Osama, the number one terrorist, already makes all the boomer right-wingers, like, and all like the, hell yeah, America first, they're like, yeah, no matter what, I'm behind this guy, he's a legend. So they have to make him the most hateable human being of all time. So that everybody else will hate his guts, so that then they'll yell at each other over whether or not he's awesome or not. And so let's now listen to him, and I'm sure he's a complete douchebag. Put the bullet in him. Three times! Just, it just, the tactics got me there. God Dude. bless you. Thank you for saying that. God bless you. Too. Bless you. That's it. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was the analysts that found him. It God bless pilot. you for all those people who lost someone at 9-11. That's why we went. We, we, uh, we, we went in that mission. That's why we went, gentlemen. That's why we invaded Afghanistan, guys. That's why we're still there, by the way. Just that. Okay, I'm going to continue. Um, expect, I got tears expect, in my ex eyes. Expecting to die. Right. And we accepted it. And actually, the, I think the point man and I were talking about He wasn't the point man yet, but we were talking about it. And we were discussing why we're going. And we said, we're not going for fame. And we're not going for bravado. We're going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at school on a Tuesday morning. At <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck kind of speech is this? Because that was a better than burning a we're not uh, doing this for fame or bravado. He says that on Howard Stern. On the Howard me? Stern show, yeah. <laughs> As Howard Stern, the most famous radio personality of all time, is saying, God bless you, sir. God bless America. <laughs> Dude, that this interview threw me over the edge. It's like, I know boomers that would be like, would do exactly what Howard did there, which is, God bless you, sir, and God bless Thank the you for troops. your service, and God Thank bless you. Thank you for your service. Oh, my God. And that horseshit where they're like, we expected to die. You, what are you talking about? Oh. You bust into a... The, story, the official story is that you bust into his secret bunker mansion, and 
He, it was like him and like six chicks. What are you talking about? You weren't expecting. You were expecting no, to no, die. no, 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 no. It wasn't him and six chicks. This, this is like the worst part about this story. This guy goes on because he's done multiple interviews with a, a ton of people, right? And uh, one of his famous questions that was asked to him and his famous answer, he goes, where were you the night Osama bin Laden was killed? He goes, I was in his bedroom. And he later describes that also in the room was his wife and his child. So he fucking three tapped Osama bin Laden in front of Osama bin Laden's child. <laughs> like under the age of six. <laughs> fucking guys, man. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, if Osama's like his dad, he's got a hundred children out there. But yeah, yeah, probably. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still he, like it's still shitty. I'm just the. Oh my god! Commenting on dude. that, and this guy still. Like, go ahead. Real Aaron, retarded here for yeah, a second. Go ahead. Half of these storylines, literally, to me, it it feels like a demon is writing them just to see if they can trick you into one of the seven deadly sins. I oh my god, dude! <laughs> that, that idea has been like on like the the edge of my of of my thinking, and I just haven't been able to verbalize it, it. But you're a hundred percent right. You're one hundred percent right. It, it's literally they want. It's like a. It's so just hear me out here. It's so it's like a demon's writing this so that you go good. Fuck that kid, and just like wrath, and just and, and just like. So that your soul, like, you lose a chunk of it to, like, go straight to hell. Like, that's how it feels. It feels like that. So that you always have an emotional response that's tied to, like, envy. The 1%! Fuck those guys! Like, just, it's always, like, something like that. So that you just lose your mind and you immediately lose yourself to some animalistic emotional response. Just to and so that the the demon watches your response and goes, <laughs> got him again, guys. It's just it's insane. Oh, guys, watch this one. I'm gonna invent Bitcoin. It's gonna go up a million percent, and then the people that didn't make money off of it are gonna kill themselves, and the people that did make money off it are gonna hold on too long because they're greedy fucks, and then it's gonna go to zero, and I'm gonna laugh the whole time. <laughs> it's like it's it's insane dude it's the world it makes more sense if you look at it through that lens literally holy <laughs> fuck i have to i have to completely agree with you holy shit dude because that's, that's what like politics and especially shit regarding like our for, foreign policy agenda has to do, to do with like all the propaganda associated with like these things is to get you emotionally involved in things that you it's typically found to be a sin, right? Like, it, yeah, you see it all day, every day in like current politics, like this whole uh, anti-racism movement. Like, if you're anti-racist or not, and shit like that. Like, they they literally go against every fundamental pr- like principle of Christianity. It's like, oh, well, yeah. all white people are racist because they're white and they they have a history of their ancestors abusing us. It's like the Bible literally says you cannot judge a son for his father's sins. Like that is in the Bible. Like that, that has been carried throughout thousands of years of human civilization. People have thought that it's like, well, I can't hold you accountable for something that someone else did, even though he's related to you. Well, not only that, but like, think about like, you know, it's, 
if you you can apply it to almost everything where it's like uh hey uh lust lust demon what do you got cooking up for us now oh dude i got the song wet ass pussy and you like no they'll never <laughs> accept it oh fuck yeah they will <laughs> Oh, dude, they're gonna be jerking after this so hard. Oh, god, lust demon for the win. <laughs> hey, oh my god, god, boss, I got a great one. What? I, okay, so I came up with a script. It's called Cuties, and I'm gonna get everybody pissed off at it. And what it'll do is it'll actually trick everybody into just watching eleven year olds twerk. So while they're being pretending to be disgusted they'll actually be getting aroused by a 10-year-old's twerking on television. It's fucking brilliant! And they're like, oh my god, promote the Lutz Demon, he's killing it. Like, it. Holy fuck. Sloth Demon, what are you up to right now? Oh, this is great. I'm gonna tell everybody there's a cold going around, and you just sit home and jerk off to Lust Demon, whatever he's doing, and then you just we just give you checks. And just you do that. healthier because of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The only way to be healthy is to sit inside and don't do anything. Oh, hell yeah. Sloth Demon's also crushing. Like, it's it's insane. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> oh, God. The, the most on-point thing you've out of all of our episodes, <laughs> I think. This is, like, the most on-point. Everything in media is trying to elicit a, 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 a deadly sin out of you. Everything. Yeah, imagine each deadly sin is a demon that represents yeah. it, and he's just in a writer's room, like, for a television show, and just writing a new script. And you can already tell which one's writing it every time. Oh, God. It's, it's so wonderful. Holy shit. Wrath Demon, <sighs> what's up? Get this. I'm going to get white people and black people to hate each other forever over something that happened way the fuck before they were born. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Like, it's just, oh, it's always something stupid. It's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think with that, that, that wraps up my Afghanistan papers. Uh <laughs> Definitely, uh, if you guys are more interested in it, you can get more details from the Washington Post actually filed the lawsuit. It took three years to get this information out, and they published it themselves. Uh, you have to give them credit, even though they're liberal shittards. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that is my presentation on Afghanistan and the war of uh, Afghanistan. Not 11.3.33. <laughs> okay, right, do, well, do you want me to talk... Oh, sorry. A little bit no. of, oh, sorry. What? No, I was going to make sure that I said the number. That's all. the Because I forgot to do the voicemail oh, yeah, number yeah, at course. the beginning. But, uh, oh, shit. Do we your... have voicemails? No, we don't have voicemails uh, this time. But we uh, still, if you guys do want to call in, uh, it's 1-833-666-911. That's 1-833-666-0911. I... All right, I'm going to say this right now because I've gotten bitched at now three times this. by different people. Different people have told me this. I say the first one with the numbers, and then I say the second one with each number spelled out. So if, just listen to this, Josh. 1-833-666-911. That's 1-833-666-0911. That's because it's the conspiracy... Numbers. I don't want to say zero nine eleven. Zero first... doesn't go in there. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think you did that the he's, first he's recording though. 
No, I know you I have, have been, been doing, doing that. I, I understand the pattern, but I think you fucked up the pattern tonight. We'll have to do a, a re-listen of the recording. Whatever. Here, but... what, whatever. <laughs> but I think Josh did did jump in a little early on that because he jumped in on the first on, on the yeah, first I jumped in the first one because I know you you do it that way and uh yeah. I don't I don't like it. I just think Envy oh. Demon got to you guys and you guys are just jealous of uh, my smart way of saying the number. Don't don't lump me in with Josh <laughs> over there. He's giving you grief. I, I didn't say shit. I don't care. <laughs> no, I know. Okay, what were you gonna say though, Josh? What were you gonna say you wanted to bring, uh, talk about real quick? Oh, so there, there's a there's a something I've been wanting to bring in for a bit. I think since nine uh, eleven part two or three, um, where it's it's the question: What does the Middle East have to say about this? Uh, so you know when nine eleven happened and, and the whole war in Afghanistan and invasion there. What do they? What does they have to say about Afghanistan? What you know, say Saudi Arabia newspapers and news outlets have to say about it? And what were people talking about then? Now, not going to be talking about that quite yet. That's that'll be for an upcoming episode. But uh, I was I was starting digging into this and trying to find the right news uh, news outlets and get some more information, uh, get a bit more educated on this this type of topic. And uh, today is a good old. Uh, what does Iran have to say about it? Um, going to just current events. Um, Stuff over the last year or so, or like we brought up earlier, there's the the assassination of Qasem uh, Soleimani, um, that that Iranian general, just over a year ago. Um, then, of course, there's always stuff going on between the U.S. and Iran with the, the nuclear deal uh, issues and the um, uh, the U.S. resuming some military activity in in Syria, uh, citing Iranian-backed terrorists and all, all that sort of stuff. But uh, I just wanted to bring a, a few quotes, really. Um, to, to give give an idea that there are other perspectives out there uh, in that, say, for example, uh, Qasem Soleimani, that, that general whom we assassinated, who was so necessary, so important to assassinate, whom everyone everyone knew about, uh, he, he was referred to by multiple um, Iranian news outlets. And it now a year later, um, they're now now uh, in, in anniversary of his death. He's being referred to, yeah, by, by multiple multiple Iranian news outlets as uh, a hero of the war against terrorism and having been murdered by U.S. terrorists and having played a key key role in helping Iraq and Syria defeat foreign-backed terrorists and uh, so stuff like that. So does, does that sound at all like uh, you know this this general who uh, we we know and love had to be killed? No, I, have, I okay. First off, when that guy died. And it, it, it was news. I had no idea who the fuck this motherfucker was. Like, I had no idea. And I'm pretty sure 99% of the American population no, had no idea who Soleimani was yeah, no. when when Trump killed him. And they made it like a big fucking deal about it. And I feel like that's going to continue to happen. That That's happened like two or three times in total, I think, since we started like this whole war in the Middle East and shit like that. The, the United States will come out and be like, hey, we killed this guy. He's a big general. Everyone should cheer. It's like we killed like this big terrorist that you've never heard of. But we've declared him a huge threat. <laughs> like he's the king in, in our cards of, of terrorists that we have to take down, essentially. Uh, apparently, he has been a thing for like the, the last you know couple decades and did some shit with Al Qaeda back in the day. So something, something. But like. So far as the U.S. public conscience or identifying enemies in the war against terror, I had no idea who he was here uh, either until he died. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, most most of these news stories from Iranian news outlets are pretty much just the opposite perspective of the U.S. Like for 
nuclear uh, the nuclear deal and sanctions that are like, oh yeah, we restarted our program or re-upped our program because uh, Trump imposed sanctions on us, and you know we're not until the sanctions are lifted, we won't re-enter negotiations. So stuff like that, and um, and then uh, then then there was a, a fun little quote too with um how Biden is uh. Uh, re upped military activity in Syria in response to Iranian-backed terrorists there. And um, there was, uh, I think it was a representative to the Iranian representative to the UN who um, uh, said, uh, the U.S. moves only destabilize the region further and serve to advance the interests of terrorist groups. So that, that's, uh, I, just put things in context a little bit, you know. Part of me doesn't even he said believe. she said terrorist. <laughs> well, yeah, these terrorist like narratives, even in Iran, yeah. I think they're being led a line of bullshit too. I doubt this guy helped destroy yes. a bunch of terrorists because, like, it, look when COVID started. Remember when uh, the news media had to cover that twenty four seven, and just Muslim bombings just kind of stopped in Europe all of a sudden, almost like it's kind of just a news story and not really a real event. That disappeared. And all of like the terrorist bombings and all terrorist talks stopped when Trump was in office. And it was like the strangest thing ever because he he bombed Syria and then he did a couple other things because uh, he hired like Mattis and shit like that. And then all talk in news media just disappeared of terrorist threats in the Middle no. East, Europe and America. Like they, they just disappeared. No, it went. It was in Europe. Europe bombings were like the thing until COVID, the COVID story. Yeah. They were a huge thing. It was always a new train was getting bombed, and then there was a there was that one reporter who wrote a cartoon of a Muslim or, or Muhammad and got his head chopped off, and they're like, they're yeah, but that was like that was like eight months ago though. That that wasn't like no, that was like no, no, that, that was a few like years, ago. years ago. Yeah, that's oh, like it was. Three, four years uh, ago. Oh, okay. what was the French news outlet or the um that did the political cartoon? All the uh, yeah, you're right. That Charlie the French one. Um, but it's yes, the, thank you, Hebdo, yeah. all the Muslim like stabbing attack shit in London and and Notre Dame yeah, that's burning. Pretty thing, like, yeah, that was like year. no, that was like pre two thousand sixteen though. Notre Dame burning was not pre two thousand sixteen. Oh yeah, yes, that it was, was like yes, it no, was. it wasn't. That was like two years ago, man. Absolutely not. When did yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Notre Dame burn? April fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. There we go. Two years ago, almost exactly. Holy yeah. shit! Oh my god! Yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob. Are you listening to the media's yeah, lies? That wasn't. No, I, I'm actually he's got, not. I'm too. He's got I'm pro Trump derangement <laughs> syndrome right now. He's no. It, it's literally. It was. It was Muslim terrorist attacks in, all throughout Europe every, every week until, uh, and nothing about and always about like immigration. That was the other one. Was uh immigrants coming a refugees coming everywhere from like syria and stuff see uh, i i remember that pre-2016 with like um uh oh god who, who's that one guy that led the um the, the vote to leave the european union nigel farage like i felt like they, they covered all that stuff up until like the 2016 election does that continue and i just not see it and shit like yeah, that yeah, afterwards? That i guess so and you didn't see okay. it that was a huge thing the syrian refugee stuff because then they couldn't even though brexit happened they couldn't, um, even after Brexit happened, they didn't leave forever. Yeah. Um, and then it was always a fight about, like, different Muslim versus, you know, British people and Muslims versus French people and Syrian refugees, you know, just destroying Sweden. And 
it was all about terrorism and like criminal refugees coming into countries and and like stabbing people and throwing acid at them and stuff. So like that okay. narrative kept going until like the day COVID they switched to COVID and then just you know people that suicide bomb themselves when they get they when they know the sniffles are out there they they stop and they postpone their plans because they don't want to get sick. Um, yeah, pretty it, much. It's, it's, it's just so the, the mass shooting thing. We we know that we know the pandemic's over because there was a mass shooting a week ago. Yeah, exactly. So they can get the Asians on board with the uh, we're being hated on too now. Because no, everybody likes to everybody likes to be a victim. They like to even if you're at work. Here, one thing that you'll ever notice every time when you go to work, anybody that's your peer wants to make sure that you know that their life oh, was a little God. bit harder than yours. So that them and getting that they work to the a little same bit than everyone else and well, don't get compensated for it fairly and that sorry, and the, yeah like so the fact that your your peer is at work so the fact that their life was a little bit harder than yours means they actually did a little bit more than you to get where they were than you did and it makes them feel good about themselves so that's why those tricks work where they're like you know your skin or your gender or your hair color or your upbringing makes your life harder than everybody else's and people eat that shit up because then it makes them feel like yeah my life was harder than everybody else's i'm more awesome than everybody else that's at my level that it just makes people feel good it's a little dopamine hit and uh that's why that stuff works that's why now they're doing it with the asians oh no stop asian hate i have an asian girlfriend she doesn't get any hate for being asian it's all a made-up bullshit lie well that's because she lives in progressive new york and not the racist south yeah, we're yeah, real progressive Buffalo's in Buffalo. So progressive. <laughs> so it's a bunch of Polish and Italian guys and black people just all like shouting at each other, like just a racial epithets at each other all day. Like, yeah, it's a real yep. progressive area. S- s- small version of New York City right there. It sounds like heaven. That's you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that, that, that's uh, pretty much all I want to comment on the, the what does Iran have to say about it. But I, I uh, hope to bring in some more stories coming into the future uh seeing try trying to get some perspective on you know who the good guys bad guys are and what really uh what public opinion really looks like all right everyone yeah all right that's a that's a wrap remember to call 1-833-666-911 that's 1-833-666-0911 thank you for that aaron have a good night Thanks for listening. You've got mail. What the fuck?